live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City. This is the Jeff Wagner Show. Here is the deal. Let me kind of go through what we know, and then I want to discuss this with you. It's just mind-boggling, and it might not technically be illegal, but if it's not, it should be. The reality is no car insurance, no problem. Nuts to that. Let's get them off the road. Impound the cars. Make the streets safer. The AccuNet Mortgage Talk and Text Line is open now. Give us a call at 855-616-1620. What are those people talking about? You got a deal. A deal is a deal. Stop whining about it. Live up to its obligations. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. It is Friday. The sun is shining. Looks like the weather is going to cooperate for a decent weekend. That's all good. A lot of bad stuff in the news as well, but that is all good. Hey, it's no surprise, but the summer of 2020 is shaping up to be like the, I don't know, no, certainly no summer in my lifetime. If you live in Wisconsin, you live in the Midwest, we kind of live for the summers. It's kind of like, all right, you know, we'll, we'll be behind closed doors for months and months, but we want to get out and we want to enjoy the summers, which is why you have so many wonderful events that are scheduled in the summer and They're just dropping like flies. I mean, all the ethnic festivals that so many of us enjoy, they have been canceled. Most of the 4th of July community events have been canceled. There's a couple that are hanging on, but most have, in fact, been canceled. You've seen um, the latest news today that um, the EAA Air Venture, which is scheduled for late July. The organizers have said they're, they're bailing on that. On a lesser extent, um, the Cedarburg Strawberry Festival, which is a big deal, that's going the way of Port Washington's Fish Days and a number of other events. They're, they're canceling. And again, it, it's, you understand the organizers are simply saying, we don't know what we don't know what the world is going to look like a month or two or three months from now, and we're not in a position to, I don't know, go out and find the sponsors and obtain the volunteers for events that we, we just don't know whether they're going to occur or not. Ravinia, which, of course, is a, a wonderful you know, f- facility event that they, they have a series of concerts and things like that. The symphony plays down there outside of Chicago. They announced today that they're scrapping their entire 2020 summer schedule. So, uh, again, and, and those, their schedule runs through mid-August. So you're seeing all these things happen. I understand it. makes sense to me why they are doing it. It does underscore, I guess, a couple things. First of all, with all these various cancellations, I understand there's some hardcores who are holding out hope that we're going to have the influx of thousands, tens of thousands of people for a Democratic National Convention in, in August. And I, I, nobody would be happier than me to see that happen and people bringing their money. I just, I just don't see it occurring. I don't understand how that can happen when you have all these other events that are just kind of raking, recognizing that there's too much uncertainty to put these things together. And, and even an event in August or late July, they're being canceled. The last really big event on the summer schedule that, that's still out there is State Fair. And, of course, State Fair is one of my favorite events. It's something that we here at WTMJ are, are big at. We've been there, I think, in the 22 years I've worked here, with the exception of one year, you know, we broadcast from what we call the fishbowl every year. I've had an opportunity over all those years to meet you if you've come out and stopped by and said hi. It's, it's something that I, I really enjoy doing. I just, we don't have a word for it yet, and I'm, I'm hoping that there 
holding out hope that something might in fact work out. But as you see more and more of these events that are scheduled into late July and August being canceled, you wonder how State Fair is going to be able to pull that off, and not just from the perspective of the attendees. I mean, State Fair, as well as all the different county fairs through the area, that's a big source of income for a lot of people, a lot of the vendors. Um, you, you, know, you start missing out on the ability to do your work at state fairs and things like that, and you take a, a just a huge hit. So the cancellations of these various festivals, it's not just, I don't know, taking a part of our enjoyment away for the summer. It's taking a huge chunk of livelihood for a number of people. And keep in mind, at State Fair right now, that the whole Expo Center has been converted for the moment into an, an overflow quasi-hospital for COVID-19 patients. Now, we, we haven't needed it, and I think most people think we're not going to need it, and that's good. I mean, it's, it's a good thing. You'd rather have something and, and not use it then need something and not have it. Yeah, that's how you say it. But I, you know, at the same time, that that's what it's being done, used for right now. And at some point in time, you go, okay, what, what's it going to take to break that down? And you know, are we going to feel comfortable doing that? So, state fair, the the last big summer event, still hanging fire. Summerfest, of course, is rescheduled to three separate weekends in September. Whether they're able to pull that off, I don't know. And. And you've still got the sports seasons that are out there. I know the, the NBA, at least some NBA owners, are still holding out hope that they're going to be able to resume the NBA season that normally ends in a championship in early June. They're hoping that they're going to be able to somehow revive the season as late as, I don't know, July or August. I mean, good good luck with that. And what are you going to do with baseball? I mean, I know the, some of the thinking is maybe you can start an abbreviated season of baseball playing in front of empty stadiums in certain defined locations like Arizona or in Florida, and we can have a limited season starting July 1st. Well, okay, maybe. I mean, look, nobody wants baseball back more than me, but it does underscore the challenges that we are in in, again, the, the COVID-19 world. All right. Today is May 1st. And of course, you know, May 1st, this has international um, ramifications. I mean, May 1st is one of the, it's International Workers' Day, a traditional celebration of the power and dignity of the working class. And there is an event, and there are protests being scheduled for all across the country, including Milwaukee today. And it may be, if you're driving around, if you're going to work, if you're one of those essential workers or heading to the store, and if you happen to see banners, and that would be whether it's sheets or whatever, being draped from people's windows, and you think, what is going on here? Why is there a sheet hanging out of somebody's window? Did their dryer break down? Are they trying to, I don't know, air dry the sheets? No, no, no. It could very well be that the people in that apartment are trying to send a message. That message being, they don't think they should have to pay rent. Now, since we went into the state of emergency in Wisconsin, the governor declared a moratorium on mortgage foreclosures and also on evictions for failure to pay rent. Okay? That, that's the deal. And the thinking is you shouldn't be tossed out of your house during this emergency type of thing. So there, there, is, there is a freeze on that. The ACLU 
is asking the governor to extend that moratorium for another two months. And the argument, again, is, look, a lot of people have lost their jobs. We have this economic disaster that is going on while we're trying to cope with the pandemic. So we, we shouldn't allow homes to be foreclosed on or people to be tossed out. Okay. The governor has a, a moratorium on, on foreclosures and evictions, but it doesn't mean that you don't owe the money for your rent. I mean, you can't be thrown out because you haven't paid, you don't pay your April rent or you don't pay your May rent. You can't be tossed out, but it doesn't mean that that rent goes away. You can't be foreclosed on in your home because you don't make the mortgage payment for April or May, but it doesn't mean that those mortgage payments disappear. It just means that you're going to owe them after the emergency breaks down. Well, there is a protest, and if you see some of these banners out here, here's, let me read you the couple paragraphs of what they're all about. The Milwaukee Democratic Socialists of America will participate in a public action on May 1st, that's today, to demand a cancellation of rent and mortgages in Wisconsin. A cancellation of rent and mortgages in Wisconsin. That is not a moratorium on collecting them. That is not, you're not going to have to pay right away. That is, you don't owe. Here's the statement. Quote, we know that everyone is safer at home, but the critical piece that is missing is making sure that when all this is over, people still have their homes, and especially making sure they aren't hit with large balances of back rent that forces folks out of homes. Tenant rights are critical, and we need to freeze Rent now, urges Brandy Johnson, the Democratic Socialist of America, Milwaukee co-chair. We will hang sheets and signs out their windows to signal their support for a statewide rent-free, a rent-freeze. Additionally, we will contact local and state officials to advance this demand. Let's tee this up. 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We're not talking about a moratorium. Hey, you know, April and May, you don't have to pay your rent. You don't have to pay it right away, but it's still going to accumulate. You're still going to owe it. Sort of like what we do with the um, the shutoffs of utilities during the winter. All right, the gas company, the utility company, with you know, um, the We Energies is not allowed to turn off your gas in January for non-payment. But it doesn't mean that you're not going to owe that money. And once the moratorium expires, you owe the money that you didn't pay. All right, the Democratic Socialists say what we need to do is we need to just put a freeze on rent and on mortgages. So not only do you not have to pay during the emergency, but you also won't owe anything that would have otherwise accumulated. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I think, what's the word I'm thinking of? I think this is nuts, but I am willing to discuss 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. All you landlords out there, all you banks, all right, should you be prohibited from ever collecting the back rent or the back mortgages? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Back with your calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Back to Take Your Calls. Here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. If you happen to be walking around or driving around and you see sheets hanging from windows today, it's part of a protest. The Democratic Socialists, as part of May Day, Workers' Day, are demanding that we not just 
have a moratorium on foreclosures, tossing people out of their houses while we're under an emergency state, or a moratorium on rent payments, they're saying they should be a rent freeze. In other words, you should not have to pay your mortgage or your rent while we are dealing with the COVID-19 pandemic, and there shouldn't be back to. So if this goes on for months and months, don't worry. You live in the place for free. Don't worry about paying your mortgage. And all those of you who paid your mortgage, well, you're, you're a sucker. All those of you who are paying your rent because you can afford to do it, well, well, you're a sucker too. Steve in Lodi. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, how you doing? Hi, Steve. I'm good. What do you think? I mean, free rent sounds good, doesn't it? <laughs> no, those uh, those landlords they gotta they gotta pay rent too, or they pay uh, on their buildings as well. I mean, they gotta pay too. So I think it's ridiculous. Yeah. And I'm a Democrat. Well. <laughs> What's not well to me? This isn't a Republican or Demo or a Democrat thing. This is just. I, I mean, you know, don't, don't we have to pay the bills? <laughs> the the idea that okay, there, there's a, that there's free anything. Who who is going to pay that? You're right. The the Democrat the the landlords they're the ones that have to. They've got to make their utility payments if they're doing that. They've got to make their mortgage payments. What happens to the banks who've lent out this money in good faith? They're just supposed to eat it. I mean, I, I mean, get yeah. real, Santa Claus. Santa Claus comes December twenty fifth, not May first. Yeah, all right. Thanks. For, no, thanks for the call. I, I appreciate it. I mean, it, 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 look, and it's this stuff that I, I understand. It has this appeal. Well, you know, we we don't want people to struggle. Look, if you're behind in your mortgage, okay, I think it's fair to say. All right, maybe you need to pick up the phone and call your bank. If you're struggling to make the payments for your landlord, maybe you need to figure out how to work out a payment plan. But these landlords, they have invested money. All right, they're they're in this to make money. That's just kind of the reality. That's why people buy property and rent apartments as opposed to, I don't know, buying stocks or putting the money in the bank and earning interest. I mean, it is a business for them. You just can't make a wave a magic wand and say, hey, this business you know, people have made a commitment to pay money to you. We're not going to allow you to collect what is owed you. I mean, you can't do that, can you? Let's talk to Dave in Waukesha. Dave, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hey, Jeff. How you doing? I'm well, thank you. Is this a good idea? Well, no. I mean, it's just kind of what the previous caller said. It's, it's always, every time these things come up, it seems like nobody sits there and, and connects all the dots. They don't look at... at you know, the, the end result, they just look at it from their, you know, their viewpoint, and they don't, they fail to look at the big picture. There's no holistic view of the whole thing at all. It's like, yeah, you're right. Okay, what happens to the guy, yeah, that, that, that you know, that owns the buildings, that, that is, you know, barely covering, you know, rent barely covers all of his expenses. Right. You know, he's got repairs. He's got things that come, you know, that come due and, and whatnot. Well, he's supposed to just eat it? I mean, you know, it's kind of like, you know, I'm sorry that you, because of the you know the viruses aren't working, but that he is, you know, why should he right. be punished? I mean, it's, it's just, and how does he recoup it? You well, know, he, he doesn't. You know, right. least, I mean, he can't. He collect. He can't collect unemployment. Right. No, you're. I mean, right. thanks for calling. I mean, see, Dave. No, you're. You're absolutely right. See, and, and this is the. I mean, where do you draw the line? Okay, um, your times are tough. You know, you you've been involuntarily laid off. So here, we're we're not going to. You don't have to make credit card payments. Charge whatever you want. We don't. We're not going to worry about that. You don't have to make car payments. I mean, where are we going to draw the line on this type of thing? But this idea that. 
well, gee, there's this free lunch that's out some, there somewhere. There's a, there's an, a, as a corollary to what we're talking about, there's a big story in the Wall Street Journal today uh, about how, like, rent is due today. And one of the problems that some of the landlords are finding is that because there is this moratorium in place saying you can't evict people for, for late payment and things of the like, what they're finding is that there's lots of people who aren't making their payments, even though they have the ability to do that. I mean, so it, it, it's one of these things, and, and this, this happens every year when you have the moratorium on shutoffs during the winter. There are some people who legitimately can't make the payments. There are other people who make a calculated decision saying, well, you know what, I, if, if I don't make my phone payment, if I don't pay my cable TV, if I don't make my car payment, they're going to turn off the phone. They're going to turn off the cable. They're going to, sh- you know, they're going to take my car. All right, but but I can I can stall the utility payments and we'll deal with that. What they're starting to see is with these moratoriums in place, there's people who are just saying, I- I'm not going to pay my rent. You know, and, and and it's not just the people who don't have the money to pay the rent. It's people who are just saying, I'm not flat out going to pay my rent now, and I'll, I'll worry about this next month or two months or three months from now, which makes me wonder what's going to happen for those people when all of a sudden, let's say your rent is $1,000 a month for the sake of argument. You you stall it a few months, and then you get a $3,000 bill. Well, then, then it is going to be sort of an issue. But this idea that, all right, we're just going to tell those evil landlords and those evil banks that you can't collect money which is rightfully owed to you that's nuts back with more in just a minute this is jeff wagner back for more here's wtmj's jeff wagner so very glad to have you with us all right we, we discussed yesterday at length the the requirement that some stores are now going to say the menards and costco are going to say if you're going to come in here starting on monday you you have to wear you have to wear a mask and some people are saying okay that's fine i think that's great other people are saying i'm going to shop somewhere else and those are individual choices that you get to make and certainly the stores have have their policies i i'm kind of agnostic on it i i just i think one of the things that's going on in general with this is that we I think we're looking for kind of like feel-good solutions that may or may not make any difference. For example, with the issue of masks, for weeks and weeks and weeks, the CDC said wearing a mask or not wearing a mask in a public sort of setting, we're not talking about hospitals, we're not talking about nursing homes, wearing a mask in a public setting, we don't advise it because we figure it's not going to make any difference. That's what the advice was for weeks and weeks and weeks. Well, now suddenly there's been a sea change, and and I think more just because we want to give people some sort of control over their environment and let them think that they're doing stuff that really makes a meaningful difference. Now we're saying, okay, go wear, wear masks. I'm going to be really curious when this is all over, and we go back and we really trace, you know, where where coronavirus is spreading. And is it spreading from the fact that somebody might walk into a grocery store and somebody else might not have a mask? Or is it spreading because, you know, primarily you, you have that, the community spread where, you know, you're working at the meatpacking plant and you're, you're next to each other for long periods of time and you get it and then you go home and you're in your immediate household. So in other words, you know, is, is, is wearing a mask for casual contact in a in a grocery store while you're already practicing social distancing staying away and you're washing your hands and doing that does wearing a mask really make much difference one way or the other i'd be interested to see the numbers my guess is at the end of the day under the tip
typical settings, wearing a mask is going to go back to being what the CDC said in the beginning, not really an important factor for, again, the, the general sort of contact that people are going to have. But uh, you know, we'll, we'll have a better handle on that later. If people want to wear masks, okay, wear masks. If businesses want to say you've got to have a mask on to come in there that is the right of the businesses to do that so and again we'll see whether it's just a feel-good thing that really makes a difference or not but there are a couple areas where it's kind and by the way one final thought on that as i've said if you're going to wear a mask well then you've got to commit to wearing the mask the right way i mean i've told this story before i'm in the grocery not not that long ago and the checker she's got a mask on the gal that's bagging the groceries she's got a mask on and i'm watching them they're pulling down their masks to talk to each other okay and it's kind of like okay you know once you pull down that mask all the germs that were in there and stuff that they just kind of go out into the air i mean if you're going to wear masks you got to commit that you're going to be wearing the masks and i think there's a lot of people who you know, aren't willing to do that. But but again, if you want to wear a mask, that's fine. And if the stores want to have you wear a mask, that's fine. Airlines. The airline industry has been absolutely hammered by what has been going on with the pandemic. What You know, we, we've got now pretty much a ban on international travel. And domestically, even though the airlines are, are flying, people aren't flying on the airlines. Why? Because we've got all these shelter-at-home orders and the safer-at-home orders, the whole notion that even if you fly somewhere, vacation travel is pretty much history at, at the moment. I mean, normally this is the time of year that we, or in spring break, you know, a month or two ago, you know, we'd have people flocking to Disney World. Well, Disney World is closed. We'd have people flocking to Disneyland. Disneyland is closed. You'd have people flocking to spring training baseball in Arizona or Florida. That, that, that's, that's off the table. And even if you're planning a vacation somewhere else, you fly down there, the restaurants are closed. The attractions are closed. So the planes are flying but people aren't aren't flying on them for a whole variety of reasons and you're starting to look at some of these reports some of these airlines saying that that their their passenger travel is off 90% from a year ago 90% and they don't know when it's coming back all right a number of airlines over the last couple of days have said that if you choose to fly you are going to be required to wear masks or facial coverings when you fly. American, Delta, Frontier, United announced starting this month passengers will be required to wear masks or facial coverings when they fly. Uh, JetBlue announced a similar policy earlier this week. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand, okay, you're going into a Costco, and the requirement is you, you put on either, you know, the, the cloth facial covering or you, you put on one of the disposable masks. You're in the store for 15 minutes, 30 minutes. You come back outside, you take off the mask. I, I, I understand that. I'm trying to picture the idea of getting on an airplane. And let's say you are flying from, let's say Las Vegas opens up. And you are flying from Milwaukee to Las Vegas on that plane and the plane flight is going to be three and a half hours, you know, and, and they're going to say you, you've got to wear that mask the whole time. They have a right to do it. Are people going to comply? 
and are people going to wear the masks properly? And what happens if what happens if you don't? I mean, what happens if your chin itches and you decide I'm gonna I'm gonna reach under that and I'm I'm gonna scratch there? Or you know, two and a half hours into the flight, you're going, boy, I'm just I'm just I need some some air. And so you pull the mask down. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I understand how these requirements can, can work as long as you're talking about sort of limited sort of sort of exposure. You go into the hardware store for a few minutes. You go into the grocery store for a few minutes. You go into, you know, the pet shop for a couple of minutes. But will, will it work on airlines? And do you think people will comply? And, and would you comply? I mean, three, four hours on a plane with the mask on is is that going to be something that people will actually do and how reasonable is that 855-616-1620 that's the accident mortgage talk and text line we discuss in just a moment grew is lining up the calls if you're on the line please hold on this is jeff wagner back to take your calls here's wtmj's jeff wagner 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Look, our businesses have a right to say, you want to patronize our business, you've got to wear a mask. And and again, you know, reasonable people can perhaps argue whether that's just something that's going to make people feel good or is it really going to make people safer. But businesses have a right to do it. number of airlines are now saying, you passengers have to wear masks on our plane. And I am wondering, real in the real world, how how is that going to work? You're, you're on a flight to Las Vegas. It's going to be three and a half or four hours. Are, are people really going to sit with one of those masks over their mouths? And then, of course, what happens if they decide in the middle of a flight that, gee, I'm having a little bit of trouble breathing, I want to pull the mask down, or, gee, my chin itches or whatever, and I'm going to, like, scratch it, I'm going to lift up the mask. I mean, is, is this a realistic thing? Let's talk to Dan in Campbellsport. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Thanks for taking the call. Um, sure. I got a lot of things, issues about this. Um, the thing is that when you put a mask on for the first time, you, you instantly become claustrophobic. And then mm-hmm. you're hard to breathe. You cannot handle it. And you, 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 panic attacks kick in. And that's the real thing. And what I'm getting yeah. at is, so, okay, go ahead. No, no, I was just going to so, I mean, your, your point is you think that even if people are well-intentioned, they, they get on that plane, and then 45 minutes into the flight or an hour into the flight or two hours into the flight, um, they're, they're going to want to pull down their masks. They're going to want to get some air or something like that. You think that that's what's going to happen in the real world? Absolutely. I mean, I put on a mask the other day, and I was like, this kind of, I don't like it. It, it Your breathing <laughs> is very restricted. Yeah, and um, how to do that no, for a three-hour flight? Yeah, no. Th- thanks for calling. No, I guess that. See, that's the. I mean, that's the first thing that popped into my mind. Like I say, I I understand this. You're going into the Costco. You're you're you know okay. You put it on. You're, you're there for a limited period of time, and that's the rules. I, I get it. I, I'm wondering how this works in the real world. And if this is really going to be something that's enforced vigorously, you've got an airline industry that's already crippled. Will this make people more reluctant to fly? Now, I guess the flip side is people could say, well, now I'm going to, I'm going to feel safer um, if everybody else has to wear the, these masks, so I'll be less concerned with getting on the plane. I, I don't know. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Dan in Milwaukee. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Hi, Jeff. Thanks for taking my call. 
curious if uh, how this would work with families traveling with little ones, uh, an infant or a toddler. You know, good luck keeping a mask on them for longer than a couple minutes, or if uh, you need to give them a bottle. Well, right. You know, um, I, the way I understand it is that if, well, I, I think if you're if you're under two, you don't have to wear one, or if you've got you know some sort of health problem that you can document, you don't have to wear one. But but you're right. Let, let's take your your let let's take your seven year old <laughs> that you on an air on a three hour pl- on a three plus hour flight. You know, a seven year old is enough of a challenge to begin with, and now you're going to tell them that they have to keep a mask on for that whole three hours. Good. I mean, good luck with that. How is that going to work in the real world? All right, and then how are the people around you going to react to that as well? I mean, you already see enough cell phone footage of people arguing yeah. and getting into rifts on flights, so that's a whole other issue. <laughs> yeah, you know, no, th- thanks for calling. I mean, I guess, and, and again, the, the, the business has the right to say this is what the, the rule, this is what our rules are. And again, I, I respect that. And if they say hey, if you want to fly on Delta, this is the condition. You, know, you you've got to be willing to have that mask on. And I'm sure that it will give people some degree of of comfort because i, I guess I, I, and I, I mean i lump it in the category of it can't hurt i still go back to the stuff with the cdc from a month and a half ago where they said it really doesn't make any difference but the, but that's okay i mean if it even if it makes people think that they're going to be a little bit safer I, i'm okay with that and i think that there's a value to it i'm just wondering how practically this is going to work out because you know if if you told me Okay, Jeff, we're gonna we're gonna open up European flights, and you know you 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 can fly. But by the way, the flight is a nine-hour flight. You're going to be expected to wear a mask that entire time. I I, I just I don't know how many people are going to be willing to do that. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's uh, talk to Andy in Waterford. Andy, you're in WTMJ. Good afternoon, Jeff. The uh, the other side of the coin on this is okay. You're on a flight. And I don't know, I've been on plenty of flights yourself, and you're on a flight for three, four, five hours, and they serve you a soda or a water because you got cotton mouth and your bag of pretzels and your peanuts and stuff like that. So are you, are you restricted to eat nothing in the plane or if yeah. you're on first class and your, your meal is included in that, that, that doesn't happen anymore? You just starve until you get to your next yep. destination? That, that's, oh, oh, yeah. That's no. an odd, oddball there, too, you know? Well, no, no, thanks but for calling. No, that's, the, that, that, the other call yeah, no, with, uh, with I'm the sorry. kid, because I travel with kids as well, and I, that's going to be a problem to have a mask on with a, with a child, and then he's going to get the, you know, the big, you know, stink eye from people. Oh, your kid doesn't have a mask on. You can't have that. You well, know? yeah, no, no, I mean, it, 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 it is a no, that, thanks to call. No, I mean, I, I do think no, it, and that, that's a that's a fair sort of thing. If this is the requirement, it's like okay, what what happens? Even if you got the best behaved child, you know what? Ha- and again, I, I you know people can do this for any length of time. I, I get it, but but at the same time, if you're talking about okay, you're you're talking about a cross country flight. I'm you know you're flying from Milwaukee to you know Los Angeles to visit your grandparents or whatever. Or you're you're going down to Disney World. Now that's a couple hours. That's not quite as long as a flight to Las Vegas. But you know what what is going to happen how reasonable are these various restrictions and i guess bigger picture is will it make people more reluctant to fly i mean i I, would it stop me from going to las vegas no 
would it make me think about this a little bit, thinking, okay, well, maybe maybe I want to delay my trip until things kind of lighten up a little bit because I know I'm going to be really, really uncomfortable for, not for 15 minutes or 30 minutes, but, yeah, if you tell me I have to wear a mask for four hours, I am going to be uncomfortable with, with that with no breaks. You know, you're, you're not, it's not like, okay, you've got to wear it when you're on the assembly line, then when you get your break, you can take it off. I, I just think for a lot of leisure travelers in particular, it's going to make them less likely to jump back on that jet. Um, 855-616-1620, that's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let's talk to Craig in Milwaukee. Craig, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Good afternoon to you as well. Um, <laughs> honestly, I'd be more concerned about touching things, the overhead bins, the seats. Um, uh, not everybody's using hand sanitizer and go to the store and try and find some. It's impossible yeah. to find hand sanitizer anywhere. And just like going yeah. to Costco or anywhere else, people are grabbing things off the shelf, putting them back. Uh, there's all this talk about the mask. What about then people should be wearing gloves, too? <laughs> yeah. Know. No, 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 thank, no, thanks for the call. No, see, and that's why I, I think, you know, early on in this, again, I keep going back to the fact that the CDC, their guidance was that the masks for the general public, you know, the, the masks, it, it, it's, if you want to wear it, fine, but it really doesn't make that much difference. And they were trying to emphasize what I think is probably the, the true things. You know, the, the real likelihood, it's the touching stuff, and it's the social distancing and, you know, getting close to people. And, again, I think at some point in time we're going to go back and we're going to have to look and say, okay, for the people who contracted coronavirus, how, how did – how did they really get it? You know, did they get it from casual exposure to somebody they were standing next to in the grocery line, or did they get it from, again, some more sort of prolonged contact? I mean, remember, we, we were told that if we had this election, with, without, again, without debating whether we should have had the election earlier this month, we were told um, by some people that are making the health decisions now, if you have this election, it's going to result in all these deaths and all this just explosion of coronavirus. And and that didn't happen, which makes me wonder about, again, maintaining the social distancing and washing your hands and making sure, you know, you're not touching stuff you shouldn't. Is that really where the key is? But again, if, if wearing a mask makes people feel they're safer or enhances safety, I, I'm OK with it. I'm just wondering how we're going to react to that, especially looking at an industry like airplanes where, I mean, aviation right now, commercial aviation just just killed um, so far. Mike and Waukesha. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Hello? Hi, Mike. Can you hear me? You're on the air. Yeah, I can. Go ahead. You're on the Sorry. air. I'm from Madison, not Waukesha, so I wasn't always me. Sorry about that. Um, I think part of it is, like, I'll reluctantly wear it because we love traveling. I mean, as soon as we can, we're getting on a plane. I, I think the issue is people aren't going to, you know, they're not going to be uh, compliant or they're going to invent masks because your first caller, I think, expressed a really good point that, I mean, you can't really be – I'm constrained in a mask for a very long time. I wear masks all the time because I own a farm, and um, they're really annoying to wear all the time. The other thing, too, is, though, is I think we're going to be forced to do this because the airlines and everybody are really afraid of lawsuits, and you're really wearing this mask to protect the employees, I think, because the employees are very concerned to go to work. So I, I just think it's yeah. very complex, but I think that's just it's just going to happen, and I don't know that we have a lot of choice. Well, it's, so you're, but you're saying it's not, if they said to you, okay, you know, you're, you've got a, you, you want to take a trip, it's a four hour trip, you got to wear the mask the whole time, it wouldn't make you hesitate, you're still getting on the jet, you're still jumping on the jet. 
Yeah, yeah. I'm just going to do it. Although, again, going back to defining a mask, I'm going to start by wearing like a balaclava or something that's comfortable. And then yeah. if, if they start mandating an N95, that is very difficult for someone to wear for a long period of time. Very difficult. Yeah. So I don't see yeah, it no. happening. I think people are going to end up wearing like scarves and stuff. I think that's what's going to happen. Yeah, no, thanks. Thanks for calling. And then again, of course, if that's the case, then you kind of wonder, all right, how effective is is this really going to be? And and what do you do with the people who aren't wearing the masks appropriately? Like I say, I, I think, you know, the, the, the airlines have a right to do this, of course, and then you have a right to decide whether you're going to fly or not. And And reasonable people can perhaps disagree about how safe this makes you. My only point is you're looking at an industry that has been crippled by this whole pandemic and you know they're putting these requirements on and, and i think you're right mike it makes it a little bit safer maybe it's it's like we don't want that somebody who's asymptomatic getting on the plane and then getting close to the the flight attendant and getting them sick and, and maybe that's what the factor of this is i just wonder how much it's going to make people reluctant to to go back on planes if they know all right you're, you're going to be sitting in some sort of mask or some face covering for a lengthy period of time all right we got a lot of stuff on today's program including we will revisit joe biden and we're going to revisit how much of your personal data you're willing to turn over to authorities in a covid 19 world it's a fascinating story stick around this is jeff wagner wtmj Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Looks like the weather is going to cooperate if you go out and about this weekend, following appropriate social distancing. But it uh, looks like we're finally in tone for at least a, a nice weekend, which is good. All right. Let us go where angels fear to tread. Joe Biden doing an interview on MSNBC today for the first time directly addresses allegations about whether or not he sexually molested a woman back in 1993. Biden's remarks are, it did not happen. I did not do this. It did not happen. Now, this story, the woman's name, the accuser's name, and she's been public for a while. Her name is Tara Reid. She was an aide to Joe Biden back in the day, 1993, and her current story, I say current, I'm going to get to that in just a minute, her current story is in 1993, he came up to her in the Senate offices and he pushed her against the wall and he put his hand under her skirt and, and then touched her improperly. All right. Now, that's, that story has evolved over time. Um, she apparently told a couple friends that something like that happened way back in the time in the in the day she says she filed a a complaint about this although no record of the complaint exists and even though she has her senate employment files she has no record of that although she's got a record of other things she clearly never reported this to authorities and as far as making formal allegations and going public with this, it didn't happen until about a year ago. And when she went public, her initial story wasn't that he did what she says he did now, but rather it was, well, he was uncomfortable and, you know, he put his hands on my shoulders and things like that, which is far different than he pushed me up against the wall and, you know, put his hand under my skirt. In any event, uh, 
Biden says definitively it did not happen. There was no contemporaneous investigation back in 1993. So now you, you have the ultimate he said sort of she said thing. Her story, like I say, has evolved over the years. And th- there's really, as a practical matter, there's no way of, of knowing what happened and, and what didn't happen. We, we just we just do not know that. Now, the irony, of course, is this, is that a lot of Democrats, particularly liberal women, who were very, very aggressive, was part of the, the Me Too stuff back, especially when Brett Kavanaugh was accused of sexual misconduct when he was in high school and all. They were like, well, or when he was in law school it's, or college, the, the allegations being, hey, if, if somebody made this, this claim, you know, even though it's unverified, even though there's questions about what it was done, what happened in contemporaneous you know, inquiries, but we, we need to believe them. I mean, that was the argument now. Now that it's Joe Biden, the, the hypocrisy of all this is just absolutely stunning. But that being said, Brett Kavanaugh is on the Supreme Court. And if you look at the polls, Joe Biden is, well, in line to be the next president of the United States. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are these allegations going to derail the Biden campaign in any way, shape, or form? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And I guess as a follow-up to that, my, my question would be, would be, should they? 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. My, my take on this while Agru is lining up the phone calls is this. Number one, I, I, I do not think this is going to derail Biden unless something comes out that hasn't come out demonstrating that, that the woman is clearly telling the truth. I don't know what happened in that Senate office 27 years ago. But the truth is, you know, nobody but Joe Biden and the complainer, uh, the Tara Reid, they're the only two that were apparently present. So presumably they know the truth. How you sort something out 27 years later, I, I, I just don't know. So given the fact that you're not going to be able to verify whether it occurred or not, I, I think... I, I don't think you can say, okay, we're, we're going to destroy this guy's career, and we're going to say that he's not fit to be the president of the United States. There might be all sorts of other reasons why you don't think Joe Biden is fit to be the president of the United States, but, but this complaint, 27 years later, absent significant verification, I, I just don't think you can treat that as being reliable enough to say, okay, we're now going to disqualify this guy who's had, again, agree with him or not, had a lengthy career of public service. And by the way, I am consistent because that's the same position that I took during the Kavanaugh thing. I said, look, I don't know what happened between the two of them, but, you know, there is enough of a gap that this, maybe it happened, maybe it didn't. I don't know. Nobody is going to be able to know outside the the two of them. And when you have the passage of time, decades later, I I just don't think you can come forward and, and just ruin somebody's career on that. The other thing I will say in the case of Biden is while there's all sorts of, you know, allegations of, well, he was kind of handsy and stuff, and women say, well, he'd hug him and things like that. That that's that is far different than an allegation that you push somebody up against the wall and you stick their hand up or your hand up up their dress. You know, when you have you know people who do that, 
my sense is a lot of times they do it a lot of times. So you have the you know the Bill Cosby's of the world and the Harvey Weinstein's of the world who you know were clearly doing this over a regular period of time. There doesn't appear to be anybody else out there alleging that Biden did this. Yeah, there's other women saying, well, he'd kind of hug us and he'd put his hands on our shoulders, but that's different than this. Okay, 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Is this going to hurt Biden and how much and should it? Mike on the northwest side. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Hi, good afternoon, Jeff. Hey, my thoughts are that that it's not going to hurt Biden. It's not going to hurt Biden much at all because the media is going to play it down big time. And... uh, Touchy-feely Uncle Joe is going to, you know, uh, not get affected by this. And as for effect, you know, if it should, it really shouldn't. This is like decades ago that this happened. Uh, yeah. is, is there a uh, statute of limitations? Well, you, there, there could never be right. There could never be criminal charges. Yeah, I mean, even and, and no prosecutor based on this would bring criminal charges. I mean, it's just because there, there's no there's no way you could prove this beyond a reasonable doubt. Um, thanks for the call, Mike. I, that's that. I mean, yes. There is a there in a you know in the court of law there there is a statute of limitations and he wouldn't be able to bring those those charges but of course we're we're not in the court of law you know people can can assess it but to the other point I, I and I I agree look and I'm not here I'm not here defending Joe Biden in any way shape or form I I am saying that I think you have to be consistent about the way you approach this and I agree that the media has treated Joe Biden differently. Then they treated Brett Kavanaugh, and then they treated you know other conservative Republicans who have been you know faced with similar sorts of allegations. But just because there's a different tr- level of treatment doesn't necessarily mean that the result should end up being different. And in the case of of Joe Biden, like I say, absent more, given the passage of time, given that the complaining witness, given the woman ha- has made multiple stories and she's changed her story from time to time, and and. You know, don't don't send me text saying, well, don't you understand that, you know, women women can do that a lot of times, you know, if they've been victimized in this fashion. I, I understand all that. I, I understand all that. I'm just saying that 27 years and somebody whose story has has evolved over time, whose story is inconsistent from time to time. I, I don't think that that's enough that you can say, all right, we're, we're going to automatically assume that this guy is, is a molester, especially absent other sorts of allegations, and not just the, oh, he put his hand on my shoulder sort of thing, which might make him creepy Joe Biden, but it doesn't make him a molester. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. I'm not trying to carry water for Joe Biden. I'm just trying to be consistent in the way we approach these things, and I, I don't see... This derailing the Biden campaign. What do you think? 855-616-1620. Back with more of your calls in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Welcome to my world. Jeff, her story never evolved. It's been the same from day one. A Biden lover. That's you. It's obvious. You are a liar. Well, no, okay, here, here, here's the deal. When she first went public about a year ago, she sat down with a reporter, and um, she, what, what she did is she said, well, he, he touched me, you know, in a way that made me feel uncomfortable, but there, there was no discussion of, you know, there was no discussion of, 
well, the, the more graphic things of what she accused him of doing. Plus, there's all the inconsistencies. There's this delay. Um, she even acknowledges that she changed her story. She says that when she went public with her sexual assault allegation, which was in March, um, you know, the, the reporter made her feel uncomfortable, so she didn't tell the whole story. All right, maybe that's true, maybe that's not. I, I don't. I don't take a position whether she's telling the truth or not. I'm just saying there's all sorts of red flags that are up here. And it's not a question of being a Biden lover or not being a Biden lover. It's being a question of how do you handle stuff from 30 years ago that was never made in the context of getting law enforcement involved, that there appears to be no contemporaneous investigation. She files a complaint. Nobody says they ever got that. She's got no written record of the complaint, even though she's got a Senate employment file that has all sorts of other written documents in it. I mean, I don't know. If if I've got an employment file and I'm keeping copies of all these things, you would think that, all right, if I'm making a written invol- a complaint saying that my boss did this or that or the other thing to me, you'd think that there'd be a copy of that as well. And the people who would have gotten it don't say we don't remember it. They say we never got it. And, and again, maybe she's telling the truth. I don't know one way or the other. I'm just saying I, I think... That's a far stretch, and we have to be consistent with these old, old, old allegations. Um, Is there a double standard between liberals and conservatives? Sure. But does that mean that we should automatically assume that Joe Biden is a molester? I have trouble with that. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage talk and text line. Let's talk to Mike in Milwaukee. Mike, you're on WTMJ. Yeah. Hey, uh, Jeff, thanks for taking my call. Uh, All these people that are... are, um pointing fingers at Biden, uh, and they compare his case to uh, Brett Kavanaugh, they uh, miss a bigger one. And to me, that's the Access Hollywood tape, where you've got uh, Donald Trump on tape bragging and laughing about essentially being a serial sexual predator. And uh, that kind of disappeared within, what, a a week or so, because it came out so close to the election, everybody went ahead and voted for him anyway. Yeah, no, I mean, that... Right. And and, I mean, as a practical matter, from an election perspective, I I don't think President Trump is the guy that's going to be, you know, trying to make an issue of of of, you know, Joe Biden and and women stuff. I I, I just don't, you know, for for exactly that. No, no. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. I mean, that's I I mean, again, because, you know, you know, and President Trump. Look, I, I think. President Trump was a self proclaimed big time New York playboy back in the day. And that's. That's just what what he was. And, you know, I I think that there was probably a lot of boorish behavior that he engaged in. And and again, it's, you know, the the Biden stuff, if you if you listen to the the complaints and, and, you know, you you see the pictures of Biden and and he's kind of this old school politician that's really kind of like touchy and feely. And I, I think it would be fair to say that he a lot of the stuff that that maybe would have been acceptable or at least overlooked back when he was starting out as a politician, rightly or wrongly, um, isn't acceptable in today's day and age. And I think it's fair to say he was slow to adapt. But again, it, it's one thing to say, oh, you know, he, he hugged me. It's another thing to say he, he put his hand up my skirt and did other things. And I guess I just keep coming back to the idea that if if that's if Joe Biden was doing that, he would have done it to more than just this, this one person and you'd have multiple stories of that but again it, maybe it was just this this one time I'm just saying that we're never going to know you know what the truth is bill in west bend bill you're on wtmj good afternoon hey jeff um jeff you know after watching this guy for the last 20 some years you know 
this stuff, I don't know how many times I've seen on television and still shots of this guy up on stage in front of a room full of thousands of people sniffing little girl's hair. I mean, what kind of person does something like that? You know, I mean, there's something not right with this guy. And if, if, if you guys are going to defend this thing, and, and not to mention, I'm, I'm sure a lot of people agree with this, there is something going on with his dementia. There, there's something not right there. I mean, he has a very hard time holding a conversation with people. And um, I'm, I'm not sure exactly what it is, but, but something isn't right with him. And that's why I just couldn't vote for the guy. Well, well, right. No, thanks to call, Bill. Look, and, and, and again, it, it's not you, you say you, you, you're defending his behavior. I, I'm not defending the behavior, but I'm trying to be consistent. And this is how I have been in 20 some years on the radio when it comes to these really, really old allegations that are essentially uncorroborated um, and, and, and did not have any sort of contemporaneous in investigation. And that is, you don't know exactly what the truth is, but whether it's a Brett Kavanaugh or whether it's a Tara Reid or whatever, I, you know, Joe Biden with the Tara Reid allegations, I, I think you have to try to say, okay, you know, what, what is the level of proof here? And I recognize it's not beyond a reasonable doubt, and I recognize that everybody's going to have these things. And, and look, I, I, I understand. I mean, there, there is, I agree, there's kind of a, a creepy sort of thing about, you know, Joe Biden. And if you want to look at it in the most benign fact, it's like the guy, he's an old school politician where you glad hand the men and you kind of hug the women and stuff. And that, that's that that's who Joe Biden was. And there is a little bit of a kind of a creepy factor, especially when you apply, you know, 2020 standards to, you know, maybe what he was doing in 1975 or, or 1980. But it doesn't make him a serial molester um, as far as the dementia and things like that. Well, OK, that's going to come out in the course of the campaign if there's anything to it. I, I'm just. I, I think it's frustrating for a lot of conservatives, the double standard in the media as the way this has been covered. I appreciate that. I understand that sentiment. And, and maybe, you know, people can keep that in mind the next time you have something like this. I don't know if he did what he did, what he's accused of doing back in 1993. I'm just saying I, I don't think absent more evidence at this point in time, you can say that, okay, this makes him unfit to be the president of the United States. Maybe there's all sorts of other stuff out there that makes him unfit to be the president of the United States. But I don't think the Tara Reid allegation in the face of a clear denial by Joe Biden I don't think that changes the the electoral math at all. Back with more in just a couple minutes. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Welcome back to the show. All right. We are, of course, all concerned with trying to stop the spread of COVID-19, the, the coronavirus, and the reality is it's going to be with us for the foreseeable future. So w what we're concerned about now is until there's a vaccine, you're, you're not going to eliminate it. It is trying to restrict the spread. Part of the problem you have is that people can be what they call asymptomatic. You know, you can have it, but you cannot have a fever. You cannot, you know, um, have, have the aches and pains and, and whatever. But, you know, you have it. And you don't even know that you have it, and so you can transmit it to others. That's one of the, the problems that, that exist. So one of the things that they talk about with trying to figure out how to deal with COVID-19 is the idea of what they call contact tracing, the idea that when somebody tests positive for coronavirus, 
what we want to do is we want to be able to go back and try to identify who it was that that person came into contact with. So you, you would sit down, presumably, and you'd ask them, okay, well, you know, we, we think that you've, you've, now you're showing symptoms. We think you've had this for X number of days. Jeff, can you try to sit down and recreate what you've been doing over the course of the last, you know, week or so? Who, who have you come into contact with? Who have you seen? What stores have you gone to, et cetera, et cetera? And then the, the contact tracers go out and they try to, again, identify, you know, people that you might have come into contact with, and then they go try to quarantine those people or whatever. That, that's the whole idea behind contact tracing. Now, it's difficult to try to do, to simply say, okay, well, where of all the places you've been for, for five days? It's kind of difficult. So here's one of the things that they're trying to do technologically. Right now, and maybe you know this, maybe you don't, but if you have a smartphone, there are all sorts of things that are downloaded onto your phone that if you have not disabled them, what they do is they allow your whereabouts to be tracked. I mean, like a lot of people just have this on. It's kind of like how if you're ever looking for, for example, directions, you know, and you're using your smartphone and you say, okay, how, how do I get to, you know, Jeff's widget store? And it says, okay, these are the directions, and it gives you the directions. Well, it knows where you are because, you know, your, your cell phone is telling Big Brother, telling the company where you are so that they can hook that up. Now, there's ways that you can disable this, but a lot of people don't. You know, I mean, I know a lot of people use this. You want to track your kids. Well, that, that's great. You can tell where your kids are all the time. You've got this. You know, you've got, they've got a cell phone. Well, you access that. You can tell exactly where your kids are. It, that's the technology that's there. They are in the, they being some of the research companies are out there, are in the process of developing a, a specific app that you could opt into. And what this would do is it would specifically allow, allow the government to trace your whereabouts in case you come into contact with somebody who subsequently tests positive for COVID-19. So let me kind of explain how, how this would work. Let's say we've all got this on our cell phone. So let's say that on I, I go into the I go into the emergency room, they test me, and it finds out that I, I have I have COVID nineteen. And I've got this app on my phone. Well instead of saying, Jeff, we want you to sit down and try to think of everybody that you might have come into contact with and everybody you might have talked to and all the places you went over the last X number of days, what this app would do, it would automatically track all the places that I'd been to whenever my cell phone was on. And then what it would do is it would notify everybody else that, hey, somebody somewhere where you were in the last five days has just tested positive for coronavirus. And, and maybe you've, you've been exposed. See? Now, they're, they're developing this app now as part of this contact tracing. It, it, it's an opt-in thing, the way they're talking about it. You wouldn't have to do this, but you could. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. The idea behind this would be if somebody anywhere where you have been within an X amount of time had, had tested positive so you could potentially have been exposed, you would be automatically notified of that fact. But you have to opt into the system. Would you do that? 
855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. We will discuss in just a moment. At the moment, and they're trying, they're starting to get ready to try this out in some European countries. It, it would be a voluntary thing. You wouldn't be required by the government to do this. But, you know, would you do it? The idea that, hey, now I've got this thing on my phone. I, I don't know, you know, who I come into contact with. But this would tell you that maybe you had come into contact with somebody. It would be completely digital. 855-616-1620. That's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you do it? We discuss in just a moment. If you're on the line, please hold on. This is Jeff Wagner. Welcome back to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620, which is the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. There are heroes among us who run towards danger rather than running away from it. We call them first responders. WTMJ is partnering with Waterstone Bank, General Communications, and the Packing House to honor police officers, firefighters, health care providers, and countless others who work every day to protect our families and loved ones. If you know of a first responder who deserves recognition for their duties, really simple. Go to WTMJ.com. It's Steve Scafidi's Salute to Service on WTMJ. This is, I think, the third year that uh, we have done this. It's a wonderful program. If you'd like to nominate somebody, again, WTMJ.com. It's uh, something that I know Steve is very proud to do, and we're all very proud to be associated with that. Okay, so here, here's the deal. New app that is being developed, which right now it would be an opt-in sort of thing. You could you could register, and what would happen is, let's say somebody's got their cell phone. They end up testing positive for COVID-19. All right, the cell phone would track everywhere where the person had been within the last X number of days. And then through the magic of algorithms, what what they would do is if you had been in any of those locations, you would get a notification saying, hey, you might have been exposed to COVID-19. 855-616-1620. That's the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Would you... Would you do that? All right, here's some texts while we're lining up the calls. Jeff, you think people are freaked out now. Could you imagine those people getting a notification? Well, there is that factor. I mean, if you know, by the way, you know, we don't know if you have it or not, but you know, you were in a store and somebody else is now tested positive who was in that same store. It, there, there would be a panic element. Um, Jeff, heck no. Actually, they say something different than heck no, but heck no, it would be used for more than what they say. Jeff, I lead a poor, boring life, so I would probably do it. That said, we should be very wary. As the slippery slope says, eventually this would have to be mandatory. Jeff, I would opt in, but if I was alerted that I might have been in contact with someone who tested positive, I would take note but not do anything about it. That means not freak out and go to the hospital if I was feeling okay. I would, however, take precautions not to get around any high-risk sick people. Um, see, that's... You know, that's, that is the element, and that is the factor, of course, that, that's out there. It's how are people going to process this? And, look, it, it's one thing with the personal contact tracing where you ask somebody, all right, think back about the, the people that you've had contact with. Um, it's another thing, though, if you're just saying, gee, you know, somebody that's tested positive happened to be in X hardware store on, on Wednesday. All right, so then you're going to notify everybody that was in that hardware store. The question becomes, how do people end up processing that information? Jeff, I can't even remember what I had for breakfast, so sure, I'd, I'd opt in, which, again, is the the element that's there. Um, I, To me, I guess, I, I look at this, 
would, would I opt in? Uh, maybe. I, I guess I would because uh, I'm not sure as long as you process this and you don't overreact, I, I'm not sure exactly what the downside of it is other than to say I'm sure there's some people who are going to absolutely completely and totally freak out about this. Gianni in Montello, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Yeah, good afternoon, uh, Jeff. Um, no, I, I would. The more information that I can get about um, the people that I'm around uh, it, it, it is to my benefit. And if it's a benefit for you know society as a whole, I think that that w- that would be a good thing. We're trending in that direction anyway with with electronic yeah. communications. So, um, yeah, yeah, I would have no problem with it. And I, you know, I, and I, I've been. You know, I, I realize that there are conspiracy theories out there, and um, you know the, the government is watching you and Big Brother and that. But right. Thanks for calling. I'm sorry, your cell phone was was dropping out there. I guess I have a text here that says, Jeff, this is yet one more way that 1984 society is a reality today. Of course, making reference to the uh, the George Orwell book. Here, here's the thing, though. That I guess. I don't really see this as being that much materially different than what you know what what happens already, and by that I mean, I, I mean I don't know if you know this, but uh, again, most cell phones, unless you've deactivated the feature, most cell phones do automatically track where you are. That one of the stories that I'm looking at is there, there's all these analyses out there, and you you'll read these headlines about how people. And it's one of the things we, we know, one of the reasons we know that quarantine fatigue is, is a real thing. And it's one of the things that I think, for example, Governor Evers and other governors have to recognize that people w- will only stay cooped up so long. And one of the things they're able to do is they're able to track people's movements. And, and they're doing that now. How do they track people's movements? Well, they track people's movements, generally speaking, through their cell phones. I'm looking at two stories right now um, that are saying that, that the premise is Wisconsinites are starting to go out and about more. And, and the way they know that is because there's all this cell phone data that's out there, and they can say, okay, the first week that you had the safer-at-home orders, staying-at-homes, we, we saw less activity and less people that were moving without, you know, outside of like two miles from their home. Well, now the, the next week there was more, and the next week it was more. So they, they recognize that this is really happening. I guess we're doing it now. Is there a big brother component to it? Yeah, I guess it is. But having said all that, I kind of look at this and say, would I opt in? Yeah. Would I freak out if I got one of those notifications and I was feeling otherwise healthy? I I don't think so. But if we're going to be doing this contact tracing, and that's one of the keys to, quote, unquote, getting back to some sense of normalcy, well, I, I guess... I, I'm, I'm willing to do that. I am just concerned that people would overreact when they get a notification because just somebody somebody who ended up testing positive for it, the fact that they might have been in a grocery store within a day or two of you being in the grocery store doesn't mean that you, you have it or it doesn't mean that you're going to get it. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner, WTMJ. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at Historic Radio City, this is the Jeff Wagner Show. And now, WMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. I love militias that conveniently stream while you're in quarantine. I just, I, I love the alliteration. Our, our marketing and production people still working during all this. Okay, here is the reality for the hospitality industry. This has been a a brutal period of time. 
I mean, let, let's look at the numbers. The Wisconsin Restaurant Association estimates that at least half of the restaurants in Wisconsin have shut down over the course of the last month. Of the restaurants that remain open, the estimates are, and again, it might vary a little bit, but, but the estimates are that of the ones who are just open for carryout, they have seen a reduction in revenue of somewhere between 50 to 70 percent. 50 to 70 percent, and that's in the half that have been able to stay open. And the estimate is that uh, about half of the restaurants are going to permanently close because they're just the nature of the business is that a lot of the places don't have like huge cash surpluses, and in all likelihood, they're just not going to be able to survive. Hope that's wrong, but that is that is the reality. Now, at some point in time, restaurants are going to be allowed to reopen. If, as I expect, the Supreme Court says that Governor Evers doesn't have the authority to extend his stay-at-home order beyond the mid-May, well, okay, restaurants will probably be opening up with restrictions in the course of the next couple weeks. Um, if, if Governor Evers does have the authority to keep his orders in place, you know, who knows when that's going to happen. But in any event, I, I think sooner rather than later, I think restaurants are going to start opening up with some, with some sort of restrictions. Now, in a number of states, restaurants have been allowed to reopen, and they've been allowed to reopen with various rules. And, like, for example, um, this week, Georgia, Tennessee, and Alaska, restaurants were given the go-ahead to resume serving patrons in-house. And there's all sorts of different rules that, that were applied. And I, I've been looking at some of the videos of some of these restaurants that have been reopened. The servers wearing masks. The places, in general, it's been you know f- about 50% of capacity. You've had, like, if, if there were six booths in a particular, let's say, along a wall of a restaurant, that they've only filled three. So they're, they're operating at limited capacity. And, and at limited capacity... There's issues as to whether or not they can still make enough money to, to open the doors and turn the lights on. But at least they're, they're able to, to start to reopen and start to get back to some sense of normalcy. At the same time, just because a restaurant is allowed by the government to reopen with restrictions, number one, doesn't mean that it's going to make economic sense for the restaurant owner to operate. But, but number two, and this is perhaps even the bigger issue, it doesn't mean that people are going to feel comfortable going back to to the restaurant because at at the end of the day that that's what it's really all about it's even if the place is open if you don't feel comfortable going there you're you're it it doesn't matter and and that's why you have a lot of businesses who could qualify as quote-unquote essential businesses who've closed over the course of the last month, not because the government said they had to, but rather because their owners, their operators, just made the decision that, you know, people aren't going to come right now. They're not going to feel comfortable coming, so what we might as well do is it doesn't make any sense to open the doors. All right, I, I want to take your temperature, and I apologize, there's no pun intended there. Our number, 855-616-1620. That is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Let us assume for the, just the, the sake of this discussion, that within, here it's May 1st, within the next week or two, within the next two weeks, let us assume that restaurants with 
some of these restrictions that we're, we're, I'm talking about, and the servers wearing masks, the social distancing, things like that, maybe you know, no, re- no reusable menus, something like that. If, if restaurants with restrictions in Wisconsin were allowed to open up and the owners chose to do that, would you go? 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Are you in a position or you're at the point where, you know, I'm, I'm recognized that there may be some risk, I, I guess, to, to going back, but that the you think that the risk is so remote that you're, you're not going to stay home. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Will you be going back to restaurants if they reopen with some of the restrictions that we're talking about over the course of the next week or two or three. 855-616-1620, that is the Acunet Mortgage Talk and Text Line. Me, I, I will. I'm willing, I am willing to take that risk. Would I run into, not that there's sports on the air to watch, but would I, would I run into a, a crowded sports bar and stand three deep waiting to get a drink? No. No, I think... There's a time for that. We're not at that point. But if you were saying to me, Jeff, some of the places that you absolutely love to go, <clears throat> they're open. They've got these different standards that are in place. Would you be willing to go? My answer is, yeah, I'm willing. I would be willing to take that risk because I guess my assessment is the chance that I'm going to get sick is 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 remote. Maybe the chance that I'm going to get sick is just as great, if not greater, going into the area grocery store or the Costco or the Target or whatever that I do, as opposed to going and sitting at the restaurant. 855-616-1620, that's the Accident Mortgage Talk and Text Line. And again, in, in making that calculation, I'm not somebody who's in the extreme high-risk group. I mean, it's I'm a little bit older than maybe you are, so yes, I understand as you get older that that increases, but I don't have any huge underlying health issues. If I did, maybe I'd have a different analysis. But if they open up in the next couple weeks, are you going back? 855-616-1620. If you're on the line, please hold on. We discuss in just a moment. This is Jeff Wagner. You're listening to Jeff Wagner on WTMJ. 855-616-1620. Let's start with Chris in Cedarburg. Chris, good afternoon. Good afternoon. Um, I agree with you completely that, you know, we have to start somewhere. We have to start getting back, um, I believe you said it, of about living with this virus. And and I would definitely um, start and, to you know, go into restaurants with my husband and, you know, try, try to get back to normal. We have to, you know, right. start eating places so these folks can hopefully stay in business or make some money to tide them over until you know everything is completely open but i would definitely right. do it yeah now again the, the, what we're talking about the caveat is that that there is still going to be a degree of social distancing around you know we're not talking about piling in a uh, hundred people into a building that's, that seats 90 but with a bit social exactly. distancing and being paying attention i'd be comfortable and you would too huh absolutely and you know they need us now you know, to go in and, and you know, eat their food and be there and show other people that it's okay. Because um, in a way, right. we're kind of guinea pigs of being the first in, but um, I would definitely do it. Thanks for the call. I appreciate it. Got a couple texts from people saying, you're talking about restaurants, but, you know, my business has been closed for seven weeks. Look, I, I'm, I'm on your side. I, I, I'm sympathetic to that as well. I'm, I'm the guy who's, 
getting the heat for saying that I, you you have large regions of the state that have little or no instances of coronavirus. As a matter of fact, if you follow me on Twitter, at Jeff Wagner 620 what I do every week, every Saturday afternoon, I compare the week-by-week numbers for, and from all the different counties to see you know where, where the, the growth is. For the last several weeks, essentially... 62 of the 72 Wisconsin counties have little or no examples of coronavirus, but we'll do that again tomorrow afternoon. Um, and again, you can follow me on Twitter at Jeff Wagner 620. Let's talk to Dan in New Berlin. Dan, you're on WTMJ. Good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff. Dan. Hi, Dan. Would you go back yes, to a sir. restaurant? Absolutely, because what we need to remember is forever and always, restaurants have always had to uh, abide by health department standards, you know, keeping our restaurants sanitary and so forth. I think now more than ever, they will be doubling those efforts, and I have no problem going back and uh, trust that they will, they will be following all the practices. Yeah. Hey, now, thanks for the call, Dan. I'm sorry, your cell phone's breaking up a little bit. I, I do, I actually do think that there there's something... There is, there is something to that. Somebody was asking me, would you ever go on a cruise? And I said, of course I'd go, go on a cruise. Actually, I, I think that what's going to happen is just like after there is a, a threat of, of like a bomb at a school, you know, you get one of these bomb threats. The, my point has always been like the next day, there, there's probably not a safer school in, in the state then the place where there, there's been that that bomb threat because you've you've had you have a huge police presence that's out there you've had the drug sniffing the bomb sniffing dogs and all those different types of things you know people taking it extremely seriously my guess is that that again once cruise cruise lines start operating to the extent that there there wasn't a concentration on this before there's going to be huge concentration and to your point I, I think with the restaurants it, it's going to be the same sort of thing because let's face it. Nobody, you know, wants to be in a situation where where you get somebody sick. I mean, that's just that that's just the reality, and that's going to be the the internal pressure on on the restaurants. And so, I do think you're going to see probably a, a higher level of sanitation and attention to that than you ever saw before. Let's talk to Mary in Wapan. Mary, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Mary. Hi. Go ahead. You're on the air. What do you think? Um. I, um, I'm as anxious as anybody to go out, and it's not that I'm being nervous and afraid about it, but it just wouldn't be a fun experience to go to my favorite place, have every other table taped off, not know what the bar situation is. Can I sit at it? Yeah. What's it going to be like? People are serving me who are wearing face masks, and there's no salt or ketchup on the table. Um, yeah. It's just not the experience I would be looking for. Okay, so you're gonna, you think it's going to be a long time. You think you're, you're going to wait till. We, we get back to more of a, a sense of normalcy where you can you can have more people in and you don't need the face masks and all that type of stuff. Um, perhaps, yes. I mean, I, I'd order out, which we do. Once a week, we order from yeah. our favorite place. Um, order out, take home. Uh, if you want to be fancy, eat at the dining room table. Got it. <laughs> Fair enough, Mary. Thanks for the call. And, and look, there, there's, no, there's no right or wrong answer to this. It, it's just it, it's what people are going to be willing to do. And, and yeah, it, it's going to be, there's no question about it, it's going to be a much different experience. And I, I think it's going to vary, again, from place to place. And even if you, 
even if you allow restaurants to open, I mean, I think the reality is with these these rules that are going to ultimately end up being put in place, I, I suspect there might be some restaurants that again just decide that hey, if we can only if we can only serve half of the customers, it's not worth it. I also, you know, there's a lot of restaurants around that are are built on intimate dining you know we, i think a lot of us think of okay you think of a restaurant as maybe you know the, the dining room and the ancillary rooms they have can seat you know 100 people or whatever i mean there, there's a lot of there's a lot of restaurants around there that, that are small a lot of really good restaurants that are small that their whole capacity might be 40 people and and if you're in a restaurant whose capacity is 40 to 45 and that's with the tables packed in you know really tight you know, and your capacity now gets limited to 15 or 20, that the whole dynamic does become, can you even make money to um, to operate? Okay, let's some text here. Um, Jeff, restaurants are a different animal than other industries. This is a disease of human contact, not cleanliness. So the point being, you, you don't want to be as close, I would guess. Jeff, um, let's see. Double hockey sticks, no, I'm not going back. Skip in St. Francis says, my first, you bet, and my first stop would be barbecue restaurant in East Troy. Jeff, I predict mega pent-up demand for restaurants and bars, and unfortunately, with highly limited capacity, owners won't be able to serve enough to turn out profits, which, ironically, people will be eager to patronize, and they will be turned away. I'll go. But I won't wait in big lines to do so, even if it means moving out, Jeff, move, um, not being able to eat out. Jeff, I will not be going inside a restaurant for what I think will be at least six months. I just don't trust the people around me. I'm 61. Um, I'm just not going to feel comfortable. I will stu- still do carry out or pick up. Um, Jeff, I will be going back as soon as possible. Can't wait to support my local restaurants. Uh, America... Um, you know, the brave will, will handle this. Jeff, I cannot wait for restaurants to reopen. I can't wait for normal to return to some sort of capacity. I can't wait to support my local restaurants to be able to sit down and have a meal in my favorite establishment. Well, I think there's um, I, I think there, there's that element that's there as well. I, I, think, I think people are ready to do this, but this idea that just all of a sudden we're going to, like, flip a switch and everybody's going to be running back. That's not going to happen. I, I will say the restaurants, I think, with, like, outdoor patios and stuff like that, they're, they're going to be positioned to do, I think, extremely well moving forward because I, I think even people who might be a com- uncomfortable sitting in an enclosed space might be more comfortable being outside. That's just how I assess it. I, I don't know when this is going to happen. My guess is, my guess is within the next couple of weeks there, there's going to be whether it's it's court decisions, there's just going to be pressure that's going to require, I mean, I think more eat-in dining and allowing more bars to open up with various restrictions. But who knows? Could, could be wrong, and this could go on for a longer time. The longer this goes on, the more likely it is that more and more restaurants never reopen. This is Jeff Wagner.